Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Rise and shine, sports investors. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood. It is Tuesday, May 19th. Let's cock-a-doodle-do it right here on Sports Grid. It's the early line. I'm Dane Martinez. He is Kevin Walsh. And what we are doing is taking you around the world of sports, figuring out not only how we get some normalcy back, but also how to make some money off of it. And, Kevin, I got to tell you, we had good live sports last weekend. We talked a little bit about it. UFC, Bundesliga, NASCAR even ran. We had some golf action. It feels good to actually be uh, looking at some live sports on TV, right? Yeah, and you know, if you go full bright side of it, right, like someone like myself, usually basketball really, really kind of mm. taking up what I'm thinking about these days. You know, NFL's always kind of king, but now I think, you know, UFC and uh, and, you know, at least the Bundesliga, like these are things that I'll now be focusing on maybe a little bit more even after the fact to where I'll find myself overwhelmed. And that is what I look forward to, Dane, being yeah. overwhelmed. There's too much on. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, let's think about it. We're all going to be overwhelmed this fall. Okay, because things like the Masters is happening in November in the state of Georgia, the same time the Georgia Bulldogs may be hosting Tennessee in that weekend, right? So hotel rooms will be in short supply. When you think about the fall, we may also be having the NBA playoffs at the same time as the NFL season, at the same time as the World Series. You know, we're going to have a lot of stuff. We just also heard that the Preakness, which was supposed to happen last weekend, has been pushed back to October. Remember, the Kentucky Derby is running in September, so you know, more major sporting events on the horizon in the fall. Can you imagine what in-game live is going to be like come September, October? But I know, Kevin, you and I will be there to cover it. Today, what we need to do, you know, we've been going team by team. We're in the AFC South. We talked about the Tennessee Titans yesterday. We're going to kind of, listen, we're going to kind of do a two-a-day today mm-hmm. here, Kevin. We're going to spotlight a couple of teams, your Indianapolis Colts, who you think are going 16-0, <laughs> and 0, right? And we're going to test that theory, and yeah. we'll look at Another team in the AFC South as well as we continue kind of our roster reset, um, all the things that are going on and get you a little bit of early leans on teams in the AFC South. But I want to dive into some news and notes here that we've heard over the last few days in the NFL and see what kind of meaning you make out of it. All right. Now, for me, one of the headlines that we heard recently, Kev. Listen, we all know about the Packers drafting Jordan Love, right, and the kind of secession planning heir apparent that raised some eyebrows and ruffled some feathers over the course of the last week. Timing is ironic, isn't it, Kevin? Because we just heard recently that Aaron Rodgers is saying, hey, man, I like what Tom Brady's doing. I also want to play into my 40s. And listen, that's nice to say, right, Kevin? But I find the timing of this ironic just when you start to think of the air apparent out there in Green Bay. Rogers saying, nah, nah, nah. I got tread left on the tires. I got gas still in the tank. I got another four, five years in me. My question for you is, who do you think he's saying that to? You think he's saying that to Packers fans? You think he's saying that to 31 other general managers in the National Football League? Or you think he's talking to his own head coach and Jordan Love when he's kind of saying that? Like, who's he sending that message to, Kevin? I think it's probably all of the above, right? Mm -hmm. Because within kind of, you know, the the mix of it as well, he basically kind of acknowledged that it's maybe not in the, the plans for him to finish his career in Green Bay, which has always been ideal. And I think he's letting the fans know, hey, I'd like to be here for another five years. Hard to see it, though, when they draft a guy in the first round, right? It's letting these other teams know, hey, let's all acknowledge what it is. I might be available, mm. and I, I hope I'm on your radar. And then specifically, as you've mentioned, uh, you know, his head coach and the people who made that decision to draft Jordan Love, like, yeah, I ain't going anywhere, man. I'm not going anywhere and all of it is just it's really really difficult to digest if i was a green bay packers fan now i i know you know they went from Favre to rogers that's like this once in a lifetime thing right and you know that the nfl then is not the nfl now and i think that there's i think one of the things for people who dislike the jordan love pick that uh, has been consistently talked about was that the timeline doesn't even really work up. Right, to take it's advantage not, of the rookie deal, let's say. Yeah, or and Rodgers' contract, 
Right. Like, they're not going to be able to Cam Newton and Rodgers. They're not going to be able to go, ah, I guess we'll just get rid of him. He's, right. He has too big of a cap hit for too long. Right. And I don't know how long you think you're going to be able to have your first-round pick sit. You know, maybe when Aaron Rodgers entered the league, that was actually something that you could achieve. Mm-hmm. Not, not you can't sit a first-round pick for three years. It's right. not. It's not a thing. I think the best you could do is is probably the full one year. year one like Mahomes did at Kansas City. Yeah. And they and were even Mahomes played in Week 17. In yeah. his rookie year, you know, Locke got it in December. Haskins, Danny Dimes, they get it. It happens at some point in the rookie year, kind of as soon as they fall out of contention, in essence. But the Packers maybe won't fall out of contention, and therein lies the rub, right, Kev? Yeah, that's. I mean, that's the thing. Like, we went through the Packers' schedule, yeah. and like, you know, it was, it was obviously one of those schedules where all of a sudden I had them winning eight games to finish <laughs> the season, and that uh, you know, it, it feels ridiculous. But it's also, how do I justify that? Because it's Aaron Rodgers with a bunch of home games that all feel like they're going to be important. And for years, I've consistently given him the edge in those type of um, spots. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to pull myself away from it as much as I'm down on what their offseason has looked like. And what becomes really fascinating to me, uh, Dane, is trying to figure out if we played a game of who will be the starting quarterback of each team next year. Oh, yeah, that's a fun game. I oh, mean, we definitely play that game. <laughs> we should play that game. We should yeah. do kind of like the future merry-go-round of quarterback because right. this year was a unprecedented, right, where we had so many high-level Hall of Fame options move teams, you know. And to, to, to finish up on Aaron Rodgers, Kevin, you know, you think, oh, my goodness, this Hall of Fame Super Bowl winning quarterback. But it happens. Peyton Manning finished in Denver. Okay, we just saw Tom Brady move. Phillip Rivers has moved, right? So it's not out of the realm of possibility that Aaron Rodgers would have to move. I think we've talked about it. You're absolutely right. It's just weird team construction. But, Kevin, you're on to something. Let's kind of see what the merry-go-round market for 2021 may be, right? And who's kind of left out there and then we could play connect the dots thinking about what will happen about 10 or 11 months from now that is an incredible idea and let me add another log to that very fire here okay kevin in other quarterback news recently um two other names that you know could be live in the game that you suggest one uh detroit lions quarterback matthew stafford has put his house up for sale kevin um out there in the detroit area now i know you know, these guys have finances. They move money around. This is not necessarily a telltale sign. But if you remember a few months back, I was actually on my bachelor party in Miami when we got reports that Philip Rivers sold his house and was moving to Florida with his, you know, 27 kids. And we were like, uh-oh, that means it's a Florida team. No, ultimately he went to Indianapolis. But it did mean that, you know, he was on the move on some level. Do you uh, make meaning out of Stafford selling his home? The Lions and Stafford has been a position that there has been a growing amount of smoke about in previous years. You know about his wife's health challenges. You know about his back injury. Um, how long is Stafford for QB1 in Detroit? So it's interesting. Uh, kind of what, you know, the report came out and then he was like, I think they said that he was doing it because of the water. Now, first of all, that is instantly like heartbreaking to think about the situation that then still exists um, in, you know, inside Michigan. With that being said, you know, it could be an easy kind of fallback plan to take the heat off of a situation right, maybe right. that you don't want to bring attention to. Now, I think he's planning on playing there the rest of this season, but I've, I've long felt that he's, Stafford. Yes, but when we play the game a right, year right. from now. No, exactly. <laughs> My thing is, I've long felt that Stafford would have been the topic of conversation this whole offseason if it was a normal offseason. Mm. Because I think the Lions would have tried to field offers and hope that they would have been able to get a nice return for Stafford. Right. I think the bigger that, names on the marquee just happen right. to pop off, like Brady and Rivers and yeah. even Cam. I think the Lions could be headed, though, for a full reset button. Mm-hmm. This, I mean, we've talked about it. You know, neither of us had them having a very successful season right. this year. And Matt Patricia, if he does, to me, if Matt Patricia doesn't go, you know, above 500, I don't see how he keeps that job. Um, and if you're Stafford, what's really keeping you there? You know, I, I mean, I you. so, and if you're the Lions and you're going to go full reset, yeah, I think it's, I think it's worth the, uh, the look. Again, if we're going to play this game, it'll be interesting maybe to pin down the team that I trades agree. for Matt Stafford. But I mean, you know, a lot of people feel like when he was healthy last year, he had top 10 quarterback production. 
Yeah. I mean, Stafford has always been a guy that, you know, I'm very comfortable with in my fantasy team because of that passing offense. And he's always been a guy that, when healthy, has been able to play well. I mean, he's never had a great defense on the other side of the ball. You know, when he had incredible playmakers, they then retired mid-career, a.k.a. Megatron. You know, and so there have been stretches where Matthew Stafford literally was playing at an MVP level through, you know, eight, nine games of the season. And then, like, oh, he'd injure his thumb. Or, oh, he'd go down with a back. Or, oh, something else would happen you know so Matthew Stafford has on some level gotten a raw deal you know he's also high school teammates and almost like best friends with Dodgers pitcher Clayton Kershaw Um, so you know whatever was in the water in that community was probably pretty good Um, another quarterback to discuss and I wonder where this team would be in the future game that we're going to play sometime later on this week. Uh, In Washington, Dwayne Haskins, who is technically QB1 there in Washington, there are reports that he is now down to 220 pounds. Now, listen, Kev, everybody at this point of the year should be saying, I'm in the best shape of my life. This is the best ever, right? You want to hear just the generic positive coach speak kind of stuff at this point in time. Mm -hmm. Um, This is sink or swim for Haskins, right? So I guess the question is, how long is the leash in Washington, because they just brought in Kyle Allen, someone with familiarity in the system, someone who I bet Ron Rivera, at least, could game manage his offense if need be. So that being said, how long is the leash for Haskins? You know, that would be a disaster if they go to Kyle Allen to me, probably at any point, maybe the last three weeks of the season. If you, I mean, you know, but really, this should be Dwayne Haskins' season. To me, I was high on Haskins actually coming out of school. Okay. Like what he did at Ohio State was wildly impressive. Right. I mean, most people thought the Giants should draft Haskins instead of Jones. You know, when we yeah. got there to the sixth pick, he was, you know, outside of, I guess, Kyler Murray in that class, you know, thought of as, you know, a, a solid prospect and someone who should be able to deliver. Go ahead. Yeah, no, and I, I mean, I even at the time felt like him over Kyler was not some crazy stretch because hmm. Kyler was supposed to be playing baseball and now isn't it crazy how no one talks about the fact that he was like going right. to play baseball for he was like so the number long. eight overall pick right he was the first yeah. round pick of the oakland a's and yeah. he was like nah i'm gonna play baseball until he zoomed up uh draft boards and then it became fiscally kind of silly to yeah. go with the baseball route but yeah <laughs> but uh yeah so i i mean listen dwayne haskins you know cutting weight coming back year two i i Dwayne Haskins is almost someone, you know, I know we haven't gotten to the NFC East yet, right? But we always talk about our diamonds and Fugazi. Yeah, yeah. If that secondary is going to be as bad as we expect, and they're just constantly playing from behind, this might have enough garbage time overall numbers maybe to be worth the look. Yeah, you know how I've given you the term the fantasy herd in fantasy? Another one I use is the game flow genius. And what you're talking about is a lot of potential garbage time production for Dwayne Haskins. That's interesting. We continue our tour around the NFL news and notes for the week. When we come back, we're off and running. It's the early line right here on SportsGrid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line here on SportsGrid. I'm Dane. He's Kevin, and we're giving you all the news and notes in the NFL and, you know, kind of how do we read the tea leaves and what does it mean moving forward? We'll later in the week, as Kevin suggested, we'll kind of play what is the 2021 quarterback market, right? Because, you know, it's interesting, Kevin, this has come up already with teams like the Jaguars or even teams like the Patriots. Like, what is the long-term plan at the quarterback position? And so kind of understanding what that market may look like, I think, is a very smart idea, you know. Last week, Kevin, we talked about this time of year in the NFL calendar and how players need to kind of like keep their nose clean. Well, we've got Mm. more police blotter action here in the NFL. Okay, it's not only cornerbacks, you know, in Seattle or for the Giants. We've got more Cody Latimer, wide receiver for the Washington football team, was arrested on assault charges over the weekend. Ed Oliver, the big-time second-year defensive lineman of the Buffalo Bills, who has had issues in his college history, was also arrested for DUI over the weekend. I mean, the Ed Oliver one first. You know, people are high on this Buffalo Bills team. And Buffalo Bills have a top, call it five to seven defense, 
right? A lot of people think that that is the team that is primed and ready to take the mantle. We were talking about them in the draft preview about the edge rushers that they got. They signed Mario Addison. I think they drafted another one. Did they wind up with Gross Matos, I believe? You know, they got another edge rusher in the mix. But now Oliver on the, you know, the middle of that line, stuffing up the run, being a key force there, if he is suspended off of this behavior, and I would not be surprised if two or four or even more does come of this, what's the impact on the Buffalo Bills? Yeah, Ed Oliver is someone who was supposed to be like a lock number one overall pick, kind of, uh, as he was entering that last year at Houston. But then the whole, his whole time at Houston got weird. It was almost, remember how Jadavion Clowney, after his sophomore year, people were like, you know, you probably should just sit out. Right. Was already the number one overall pick. That's, that's kind of like where Oliver was. Right. Right. The, the difference for like Oliver is he was at Houston as opposed to playing in the SEC. Right. And kind of like, yeah, maybe I should do that. So the whole thing was a little bit weird. There was the issue where I think he wanted to wear a, like the team parka on the sideline. Yes. The apparel, it was a different brand yeah. or something. He got into it with his coaches, right? Yeah, his coaches, like, take the coat off. I think it was just, like, you're not playing. You don't deserve the coat. He was like, what? I'm so there were questions on Ed Oliver coming into this, and this certainly, you know, doesn't help his image. Well, and the thing is, you know, um, everybody here at the network knows Gabe is a massive Buffalo Bills fan, and I saw his instant reaction is, Sean McDermott's not going to like this. And I was like, yeah, sp- like, spot on, right? Because they don't really have time for this stuff. He's a culture dude, yeah. This is such a... This is such a spot for them. This is such a spot for them because as we're, you know, alluding to this idea of the 2021 quarterback carousel. Right. You know, listen, you, I don't like Jared Stidham. I don't know many people that like Jared Stidham. People just are like, yeah, Belichick will find a way to go nine and seven and they'll get it done. Right. All right. right. But that's, this is only going to be one year. Right. Like, at, like he's going to try something else. Whether it's Pry Rogers out of Green Bay, right, 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 move up, and so this could be a very small window before no, I agree with Patriots you. try and pony up. That's right. So Ed Oliver, who again I am, I'm high on as a player, and I'm sure it is a part of as you've mentioned, their defense is as important as their offense. It's an asset for them, absolutely. So yeah, this is this. It's not it's not a small thing, right? Like with all due respect to. Cody Latimer in terms of on-field production or, I guess, on-field loss by, you know, the talent not being there, like the Washington, like their, I mean, their situation is already, see, that it's like, oh, okay, they lost the third wide receiver, (laughs) where, you know, the Bills, who have the chance to win the AFC East, they can't really afford to be losing guys like Ed Oliver. No, I think you're absolutely right. I think you make a great point that, like, the window is slightly ajar and everyone knows it. You need to strike when the iron is hot. These chances don't come around for the Bills or any team in the AFC East, you know, that often. Mm -hmm. And I also think you're right that the idea that Belichick may be and the Pats may view this year, whether it's Stidham under center or whatever, I'm starting to believe that they are— running this year with, of course, they're going to try. This is not a quote-unquote tank, but Mm -hmm. they know that this is kind of their buffer to, if they got to fall back a little bit this year to run the experiment and regroup, I think, you know, somewhere in a back alley, Belichick and Kraft accepted that they were okay with that if that is what needed to happen. One other thing I wanted to mention, because you talked about Cody Latimer not really moving the needle as much with the Washington football team. We talked about how they were bereft of weapons, right? Even, you know, to the point where, like, Antonio Gibson as a slash player you think may actually provide value as a rookie in Mm. Washington. You know, one of the other things we were talking about last week, Kev, is this idea of this new uh, policy potentially a proposal from the NFL where uh, coaches, head coaches or front office folks of color would in fact kind of uh, earn their team an extra third round draft pick by being hired. And we talked about that a little bit. I wanted to bring our attention though to what one of the African-American coaches is saying about one of its players, Mike Tomlin in Mm. Pittsburgh, okay? He uh, was given an interview And he was talking about how he usually goes with a bell cow back. And we know this, whether it was Le'Veon Bell, you know, Jerome Bettis. And then even when they get hurt, it doesn't become the kind of committee idea. Someone else steps in and Hmm. becomes that three down back. I don't care if your name is like Fitzgerald Toussaint. I don't care if your name is D'Angelo Williams, right? You come on in and take on that role. 
With the context of James Conner last year, it seemed like he was not necessarily up for it, but it looks like Tomlin still has faith in James Conner as a bell cow back. Check out this quote. No question in today's game, a featured runner needs to be supplemented by guys who are capable of doing similar things, but usually when it's going well, it's because you have a lead dog out in front and he's the featured runner. James is our featured guy and a proven runner when healthy. We're excited about getting him back to health and displaying that in 2020. So it seems to me, you know, they drafted the kid McFarland out of Maryland, I believe in the fourth round, right? Oh, and by the way, the Bills' edge rusher was not Gross Matos. They got mm. A.J. Epinesa in the second mm -hmm. round, okay? So just to clarify on that, I had the right position, wrong name. But, Connor, does this make you think that maybe he could be primed for a bounce-back season. A lot of people think he had a down year in 2019. But remember, he had Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph as his quarterback yeah. for a lot of time. So, you know, opposing defenses may have keyed in on Connor. He was dealing with a shoulder injury for a lot of uh, the season. But, you know, he's had durability concerns. What's your take mm -hmm. on Connor? Would you be thinking that he could be a bounce-back candidate, or are you going to, like, let someone else draft him in your fantasy team? So I'd like to know where the James Conner ADP is, but on the surface, my... It's low. He's going off as, like, running back, like a low-end RB2 in the 20s is James Conner. Yeah, see, that doesn't... After see, being, like, an RB, like, 7, being a first-round draft pick right. last year, he is going now as a back-end RB2. So I think one of the best pieces of fantasy advice I've ever been given, I've said it before here on the early line, and I will say it um, anytime that it applies, is one of the best things that you can do is pull up the year before's rankings ah, yes. and see who is being who is being massively undervalued because they burned people. Because at the end of the day, fantasy players are scorned lovers, and mm -hmm. you go, I ain't going down that road again. And then, and right. like. No matter how much you might be like, listen, that's not a good way to do it. People will do it all the time. Now, it's not what I was expecting. I, I thought James Conner would have been significant. I thought he would have been going in the RB1 territory because the the work is going to still be there. And the offense is going right, to be. That's why I mentioned Tomlin is still going to have a three down back. The, the My only issue with James Conner is I don't expect 16 games. And I'm not sure who I need to handcuff him to. I don't know if it's Benny Snell. I don't know if it's Jalen Samuels. I don't know if it's Anthony McFarlane. I can't draft four of them. Right. However, some of that is alleviated if he's going to be my RB2 in this instance here, right? Where now, like, and I can still try and grab one of them, right? But my whole season basically is not resting on the shoulders of James Conner's success. So, yeah, I mean, I think I'd, I'd definitely be I, – I don't understand the idea of there's 20 running backs expected to have better seasons than so James Conner? You can play the game here, and let me digress. Right now, his ADP is actually outside of RB2 territory. No okay, way. because and just for, uh, you know, rules of thumb here on, on this show, when we talk about um, RB1, RB2, I consider Kevin, correct me if you think you have another assumption. I consider the standard league as 12 teams. Mm -hmm. So one through 12 are RB1 territory, yeah. 13 through 24 or in my opinion, RB2 territory and then 25 through, you know. Uh, I guess the next 12, I would call, like, flex territory. And that's where James Conner's ADP is right now, um, Kevin. And I, I'm a little surprised by this as well. He is going at his running back 25, a back-end derby to a high-end flex play. And, you know, you could... You can see some names that are going ahead of him that I personally would choose Connor ahead of, but I can see some names behind James Connor that I would personally draft ahead of him. He's going behind names like uh, I'll give you the 20 through 24 right in, right in front of him. Okay, mm -hmm. David Johnson, who I'd take I think a better ahead of Connor. Le'Veon Bell, who I'd take ahead of Connor. By the way, Lev Bell being RB 22 is ridiculous. Um, Mark <laughs> Mark Ingram who I would take ahead of Connor. Uh, David Montgomery, I think I'd take Connor first, personally. And Raheem Mostert, who I personally would take Connor ahead of because of the fact that he's in a herd. And Tomlin's comments 
I think make me feel a little bit better about Connors as uh, the, the piece of the pie that he is getting. However, Connor is going ahead of Devin Singletary, and I take Singletary ahead of Connor. He's going ahead of DeAndre Swift. He's going ahead of Darius Geis, um, Cam Akers, Sony Michelle. I think Geis and Singletary I might take ahead of Connor, but that's the area he is in. So, um, is he going to wind up on some of your teams? If you you see him a little bit higher than that, would you draft James Connor? I mean, his uh, ADP right now is, um, in essence, in the third round. I think James Connor might be on every single fantasy team of mine. I but, think I take him over every single court running back you just named. Every single one, unless unless this is the injury caveat. You take him over Le'Veon Bell. I think for, I think the offense is better in Pittsburgh, and I think his workload might be a bit more secure because I really do think Gase is going to use Gore some. Okay. Well, I think David Johnson will get a ton of work in Houston, yeah. but offensively, I trust what Pittsburgh has to offer significantly more. Okay. David Montgomery, that's not even a question for me. Dave, right. De- Devin I would definitely take him over Montgomery. I would take him over Mostert. I do think yeah. I would take David Johnson, Mark Ingram, and Le'Veon Bell. I think those are correctly ranked. But again, they're in the same tier. I remember we talk about tiers a lot here, Kevin. So it's very interesting. He's in a tier that, uh, at least on some you know, uh, rankers that I trust, starts with guys like Leonard Fournette and ends with guys like Cam Akers and Sony Michelle. So that's the group he's in. I do think, hearing the words from Tomlin, that he still expects to employ a kind of bell cow back and only hurt, I mean, help Connor. The question is, can he stay available? Well, we're off and running. We got more. More NFL news and notes to discuss and the implications of such when we come back. It's the early line right here. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, everybody, welcome back. Here on the early line on SportsGrid, Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh really digging into the NFL, catching you up on all the news and notes and what the implications may be moving forward for the 2020 NFL season. You know, the Bills could be in trouble without their stud young defensive lineman, Ed Oliver. We're talking about maybe a bounce back for James Conner. It seems like he could be a little bit of a diamond in the rough for uh, Kevin. But, you know, we were talking about the ranks at the running back position. And what's interesting to me, okay, we talked about some of the uh, guys in the same tier as uh, James Conner. And Mm. ironically, on this list, I see not one, but two Indianapolis Colts backs. But I think they're uh, I think they're in the wrong order quite frankly, okay? Jonathan Taylor, the rookie, is going right now as RB18, all right? And then Marlon Mack, the incumbent, though, is going as RB, get ready for this, RB34. So what they have here, okay, in essence, what they're saying, if you remember my framing here, Kev, they're saying Jonathan Taylor is a solid RB2, and they're saying Marlon Mack is a flex play. All right. Mm-hmm. And I wonder I wonder what the kind of allocation of touches and carries and production is going to be in Indianapolis to kind of warrant this. And there is beat reporter out there that was already projecting that Taylor may be 50 percent of the carries figure like 15 a game. Mac mm-hmm. maybe more like 40 percent of the carries figure 10 to 12 a game. And Naheem Hines, who is still there, don't forget about Naheem Hines. He would get about 10% of the touches, mostly probably passing situations, your third down draws. So if the Colts are going to run, you know, 25, let's say 27 times a game, which makes sense, we could see that kind of split. So, Kevin, A, do you agree with that kind of split? And B, how would you play the Colts running backs in fantasy? It's okay, so it's 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 pretty difficult for me. First of all, James Conner over both of them, and apparently now this okay. is going to end up becoming a staple point for me because you love really, James Conner. Apparently, you're mad on James so Conner and the Indianapolis Colts. Go ahead. I mean, some people were taking James Conner round one last year. Like I did, I did. He was I, my RB one in a lot of places last year. Yeah, and I I understood why. Um, I had him at like seven or eight, maybe in the top ten, seven, eight, nine, something yeah. like that last year. But go ahead. And justified. Uh, so for me. This, this backfield's really, really tough to pin down, right? So let's say Jonathan Taylor does get those 15 carries a game. And let's say he's able to average four yards a carry, 
right? Sure. So it'll get us, to, get us to, if I'm not mistaken, uh, 60 yards per game, sure. which is fine. Now, the pass work and the touchdown production, though. That's almost a 1,000-yard season, by the way. Yeah, 960. 960 yards in a season, so. Yeah, I, I, did, I used a quick calculator. If you didn't need um, <laughs> which is not bad, right? Like, I mean, rookie year, 1,000-yard season, that's great. The touchdowns need to be there. Right. And behind this offensive line, if he is going to be the priority down mm-hmm. there, could be great. Could be great. Maybe, you know, eight to ten touchdowns. If the pass work isn't there, though, then he better be getting 15 carries a game. And ah. he better be efficient in those carries. And you need that touchdown work to be there. And I still think it is – I don't think it is a stretch to say that Marlon Mack is a better running back today right now. than Jonathan Taylor is today. And one of the biggest things with the running backs uh, selections that were made with both him and Clyde Edwards-Alaire is that Damian Williams and Marlon Mack are probably leaving at the end of this season. I think both set to become free agents. Right. Their teams took running backs that, yes, can help them now, but are meant to be the guy next year. You know, they're trying to be a year early as opposed to— We even talked about with Darrington Evans in Tennessee, maybe similar as well. Yes, right. They're trying to be a year early than a year behind. And for me, like, I don't know if 50% of a backfield with— 2% 2% of the pass work right. is, is enough for me to trust Jonathan Taylor. So based on value, I'd probably rather swing on Marlon Mack. Yeah, I agree with that. When you have these kind of herds, right, or committees, give me the one that's supposed to come off last, right? Because a lot of times these guys are pretty much even. I said that every single year, Kevin, with the Rams wide receivers. You know, you'd see Brandon Cooks, then Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. I was like, just give me the third one. You know, I'll get the third one at value later on. And, you know, this is, in essence, this is the fantasy herd. You now have a backfield where, you you know, if you're going to start Jonathan Taylor, watch Marlon Mack go off that week. If you're going to start Marlon Mack, watch Jonathan Taylor go off. And it's another point that what is good for the actual Indianapolis Colts to have depth to have quality running back stable is not good for the fantasy team. But let's look a little bit more at this draft here, Kevin, for the Indianapolis Colts as we start to dive in. As we've been looking at other teams, every time they play the Colts, you're like, "Eh, that's a loss. So let's see what you think about the Colts. I got to tell you something, okay? I love their draft. I love their offseason, Kevin. I absolutely love their offseason. We have to also remember that if, you know, when I look at their draft, I include kind of the draft uh, trades, shall we say. And so their first-round draft pick is Buckner, right? Or is it Armstead? Yeah, no, um, Buckner. Buckner. So, like, cool. I'll take that as my first-round draft pick on the defensive line. And I actually believe, you know how we talk, Kevin, about how maybe the Packers didn't need that luxury pick of the running back, right? And how we didn't think some teams need to do that. Um, I think the Colts are in a slightly different position. First of all, they bring in Phillip Rivers, right? That's for right at the now, Kevin, okay? Yeah. So they are the kind of team that maybe does need those cherry-on-top skill positions. And I love what they did. Not only Jonathan Taylor, who's one of the top three running backs in this draft class, right? And they can plug him in, like we're saying. But to me, Michael Pittman is a steal. I wanted Michael Pittman specifically for the Jets. He's a big-bodied wide receiver on the outside. I think a good complement to T.Y. Hilton in terms of the types of receivers they are. T.Y. Hilton, one of the crispest route runners in the NFL. Now you get that guy who can go up at the point of the catch, right, especially after losing the tight end, Eric Ebron. And you also know that Phillip Rivers, he throws it up. Okay, he throws it up, you know, think about to like Mike Williams in Los Angeles previously to that uh, guys like Vincent Jackson, who is the comp I've seen for Michael Pittman. I also think the Jacob Eason pick in the fourth round is very interesting. But let me get your thoughts. What do you think about what the Colts did in the offseason and in the draft? I think as a whole, it, it, it splits me uh, a lot. Like Buckner makes a lot of sense. Maybe, though, could you say that the Colts would get more value out of a guy on a rookie deal? Maybe. But they want to be win now. Okay, that works. Pittman, nothing to be split about there. 100% was a great pick. The love that he was getting leading up to the draft, I thought he had a chance to sneak into round one. Uh, you think he, so when he went off the board, right, what was it? Second, third pick, right, uh, of right. round two. 
The Jonathan Taylor pick, I think as you can kind of hear me talking about it, I think he'll put up good numbers, but I think that's – like a lot of times when we talk about the Jonathan Taylor being on the Colts, everyone's like, well, look behind that offensive line. But if that's the selling point, then you didn't need to draft Jonathan Taylor. And you could have figured out something throughout free, free agency, which right. I do believe. Jacob Eason, okay. Jacoby Brissett's still there. Whatever, you'll figure it out. Basically, this season's going to rest on what Phillip Rivers does. Right. And I know we're going to, you know, get into the, you know, the actual nitty gritty of it with yeah. picking the schedule. But to me, it's really difficult. I've liked the, the Colts a lot because I find them consistently in good spots. But it's also Phillip Rivers. And I don't know what to do with Phillip Rivers. Yeah. Ever. I mean, like, who is Philip Rivers? Is Philip Rivers really a value added quarterback at this stage of his career? Is he really better than Jacoby Brissett? Like, we got to the point on In Game Live, the four Mm -hmm. o'clock crew, myself, Jared Smith, and Joe Galina. Shout out Joe Galina, man. What a stud. Um, Every every single In Game Live, he'd have multiple props hit by halftime. The man, I'm telling you, (laughs) just out of this world. But anyway, we basically got to the point where we all agreed to not let anybody else bet on the Chargers to come back. Because every time it was just heartbreak and disaster and you'd crumble. And I know that the year before last, he was an MVP candidate and they were pushing themselves to chase down the Chiefs. And they were trying to see if they could actually flirt with the one seed. Like, I I know all of that. I, I know that that's all a thing. But is Philip Rivers at the point where he's having up and down years or he's declining? Listen, the, the precipice is deep at the end of the career, right? The fall is steep and it approaches quickly. I completely hear you. And, you know, everyone talks about like how Jameis Winston threw 30 picks last year. Philip Rivers, you know, <laughs> was not far behind, okay? And he yeah. was just chucking it up as well. So I think you, you you make a very good point about like what really is Philip Rivers. I do think, listen, he'll... Back with Frank Reich, I do think he'll be um, an improvement on Brissett. But I do want to ask you about Brissett, especially in the context, Kevin, of this game we're going to play about the quarterback market next year. You know, to me, they don't draft Jacob Eason um, if they completely believe that Brissett is the future franchise quarterback, right? They don't sign Phillip Rivers if they think that. Now, I, I know that they say they like Jacoby Brissett. They want him in the quarterback room. But, you know, he's got a ton of money on that contract also. I think it's like $20, $21 million, okay? And so I wonder, again, and I've said it before, could Jacoby Brissett be in the plans for, oh, I don't know, his former team, the New England Patriots? Like, talk to me, what do you think is the strategy of getting the kid, Eason, with the fourth-round pick when you still had other needs to fill? He's got to be part of the plans. And I think learning under Phillip Rivers is nice. What about the idea that Brissett, is the odd man out. And, you know, especially in the context of our, what's the 2021 QB market looking like? So I think their plan probably is to go out there with Phillip Rivers, see what it is. I think that, you know, again, Frank Reich was there when Nick Foles won a Super Bowl. Yeah. Frank Reich is saying, all right, we got a, you know, a guy that we trust in Jacoby Brissett. If this is the last year, we call it the last dance for mm-hmm. Phillip Rivers, then we'll do a competition between Brissett and Easton if we feel confident enough. Right. And we'll go from there. And, and I think they're, you know, the Colts are probably a franchise that has no interest in ever having that gap year that existed between Peyton and Luck again. They right. probably never want to do that again. And they're trying to just have themselves some, I don't know if flexibility is the word, but a, a back for, backup plan, I guess, basically, mm-hmm. really, with having Brissett and Eason and just making sure that they're not in, in, a disaster, basically, if this is, uh, you know, the final curtain call for... For Philip Rivers. And and again, just to reemphasize on Philip Rivers, man, like that team played in one score game after one score game after they one sure score did. game. And he just kept making bad interception after bad interception. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's just really it's it's difficult to tell for me. And I think one of the other things that, you know, as we kind of go through this, is we have to ask ourselves, is the are these situations where there's new coach quarterback pairings, how comfortable we are with them being adjusted? with the uncertain with the times that we are in where can they find themselves getting the necessary reps mm-hmm. to hit the ground running well here's the thing though kevin a lot of times and i think that one of the big kind of trends in that has been familiarity for that exact mm-hmm. reason think about frank reich and uh philip rivers right in yeah. this time 
they know each other already. Teddy Bridgewater goes and, oh, Joe Brady is there. Familiarity. Nick Foles goes to Chicago. Filippo goes as well. Familiarity, right? So I think you make a great point. In this time, familiarity reigns supreme. When we come back, we take a look at how to make some money on the Indianapolis Colts. I got a couple of bets. I know Kevin does, too, because, you know, he thinks they're going 16-0. and Find out the details when we come back right here on The Early Line. sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com welcome back everybody to the early line right here on sports grid dane and kevin are now starting to look into the Indianapolis Colts. We talked about how we really like what they did in the offseason, whether it was getting the skill position players that they kind of needed for Phillip Rivers in his, you know, last dance, pardon the pun, whether it be them getting the defensive lineman with their first-round pick from San Francisco, Buckner, we like that, or whether it's be getting the cherry on top, which is Phillip Rivers in the offseason, right, to kind of uh, see if that little value add can really put the Colts over the top. But then again, we discussed if Phillip Rivers is, in fact, a value add over, um, you know, kind of the other option there, which I guess would be Jacoby Brissett. Now, Kevin, let's set the stage here, okay? And I'm, I'm not, you know, we, we have fun with it, but I am mm-hmm. also high on the Colts. I yeah. really like what they have done. I think they, I like the way they have been building this team ever since Ballard's been there from the inside sure. out, you know, drafting Quinn Nelson in the top six. I like it, you know, drafting, trading down, getting Darius Leonard. I like it. I think they are doing it in the right way. I think they're an underrated roster. And I think, you know, they also, you know, Kevin, they, they lost something like six or seven games last year by one score, and a few of them was because their Hall of Fame place kicker defecated the mattress, right? Yeah. So they are oh two goodness. plays away from their fortune being very, very different. I'm high on them, too, but let's press, uh, let's see what it is here, because their win total is eight and a half, just like every team in the NFL. There is heavy juice, though, Kevin. Hold on. There is heavy yeah. juice. Okay. To the over, minus 160 to oh, the wow. of eight and a half. Now, I know you like the alternate line, so if you want to dig one up and think that's better because you are bullish on them, that's fine. But they are um, minus 160 to the over eight and a half. And then, you know, we've been talking about this as well. The books, uh, our friends at FanDuel at least, would dictate that, yes, the Colts are one of the seven playoff teams in the AFC. The yes number for them to make the playoffs is hovering right around minus 200, between one minus uh, between minus 195 and minus uh, 200. And then as well, they are the favorites to win the AFC South, and that's going off as still plus money, but they are the favorites. They're at plus around 135. So with that context. Because I know you're bullish, right? But mm-hmm. is it that, like, I'm going to play the safe play of the over on the win total? Yeah. I'm going to play the safer play of the yes to make the playoffs and lay the juice? Or do I want to really plant my flag with the Indianapolis Colts and think they are the champions of the AFC South and finally get a bet that happens to be plus money? I think the most interesting thing would be them to win the division because I came away yesterday with a 9-7 and seven Titans team. Right. I'm not expecting the Texans to be all that, and we've spoke about the Jaguars countless times. So for that to be plus money, I think that's where I would point my te- my attention. My question I'd pin back to you is trying to figure out the value. With a minus 160, over 8.5, and, and a minus 195, yes for the playoffs, can a team make the playoffs at 8-8 eight and eight with this 7 seven team spot because this is where it's trying to negotiate that value like if they're nine and seven could they miss the playoffs we've seen that i go over i don't know if i'm playing the yes or can miss so that's why to me i think the yes playoffs bet stinks and I think that the over right, eight, and half over eight and a half, the only thing you're getting protected on, right, is if they happen to be that nine and seven team that loses out on tiebreakers, that sort of thing, right? That's the right. only way you get banged on one bet, but not the other. I would say it is more likely for a nine and seven team to miss the playoffs than yes. an eight, eight team to make the playoffs. Great. 
And that's there pretty much what I think that coming that down to. Because of tiebreakers, right? Yeah. So you could go over the eight and a half and still technically not cash that yes bet for the playoffs in this scenario of a team going nine and seven and losing the tiebreaker to the other nine and seven team, right? Yeah. So that being said, are you more, and like you said, it's, it's, it's less juice to bet the over eight and a half. So it seems like you're leaning over eight and a half as a bet for you. Yeah, I am. And I'm excited to go through this game by game oh. because I've talked to you about this a couple of times. Yeah. They could be a, a team that I'd be interested in betting best record in the league. So let's and we'll talk about the best record thing um, a little bit down the road. Right. But for some of the teams that we like, you know, we're going to push the envelope here. Right. So yeah. if you think they're an over, you think they're a yes for the playoffs, you think they are a contender for the division. The way we push this forward is, you know, other ways to skin the cat, right? And other correlated bets. So I ask you, Kevin, um, are you interested at all in the Indianapolis Colts to win the AFC at 11-1? Yes, I am. And here's exact, and here is exactly why. The yep. two teams in the Super Bowl, ever, for I don't remember how many years it is, but it, it is a very, very long time now, have always been on buys. But now there's only one buy. Only one buy, right. And I'm so fascinated to see if that now remains true, that pretty much your one seeds are just going to go there because the buy is so valuable. And because I believe they have a chance to get that buy, of course I'd be interested in them to win the AFC. All right, so you have them at 11 and eleven to 1 to win the AFC. Can I tempt fate with you? Because you think they, there's a chance they go 16 and 0. In that yes. world, they get a bye. They've got home field, and you probably got them, you know, down there in Tampa in February. That would be a nice little play at 24 to 1. Can I interest you? Like, I'll tell you the truth, Kevin. What I do is I find like two or three teams, right, yeah. that are in that level, say 15 to 25 to 1. And I, I go out with three three of them, right? Or or two of them in the conference, let's say, you know? And I can see it sounds like you have some confidence in the Colts as one of those kind of plays. They're 24 to one to win the title. It's so what what where does that put them? Team number eight or uh roughly. Nah. Uh at 24 to 1, they are the or tied for the tenth choice. In the NFL, I will say this among AFC teams, they would be the fourth. You got the Chiefs, who are the favorites to win it all, plus 650. Mm. The Ravens are the second choice at 701, right? Mm. Then you get a whole boatload of NFC teams. And I think that's an interesting discussion point as well, right? Talking about which conference, as the AFC is top heavy with yeah. Kansas City and Baltimore, right? Because literally, Kev, you got the Chiefs and the Ravens, then you have. <laughs> Then you have six NFC teams, okay, until you, in essence, get to a group of AFC teams that includes the Colts. You got the Pats at 23 to 1, the Colts at 24 to 1, and the Pittsburgh Steelers also at 24 to 1. So they are tied for the 10th choice. Casey and Baltimore, the six NFC teams, then the Pats are ahead of them. Yeah, I think it. I think it would be value because I'm not sure they're definitely better than the Patriots to me. I agree. And I'm not sure there are six NFC teams like without it in front of me. The yeah, Saints, yeah, yeah. the Niners, the Cowboys, the Eagles, the Seahawks, and the Packers maybe. The Bucks, not oh, the, the Packers. Bucks. The Bucks, wow. not the Packers. The Bucks. You had the other ones correct. The Packers, who you did mention, are right behind them sure. at twenty-five to one. So yeah, you are. You're on the right squads. Um, <laughs> but you think they're worth a little bit of a dabble into the championship market at twenty-four to one? That'd be a nice hit. Yeah, and I mean, look, if you think a team can win the AFC Championship game but don't think they can win the Super Bowl, right. that'd be a pretty odd take. At that point, you know, it's just one more, right? And they would have already, in order to win the AFC, they would have already had to slay the Giants, right? The two favorites to win the Super Bowl, or at least one of them probably, can in I, that path. Go ahead. Can I ask you, do you think that there's any value with the Bucks that is being factored into their price with the fact that if they got to the Super Bowl, they home. would almost be favored against any team because they'd be home. Because the home, no, I wouldn't touch. I wouldn't. I wouldn't go to that. I know a home team has never won the Super Bowl. I know it would be, you know, complete hysteria, right? But no, I'm not putting that specifically into mind. Let me ask you about some correlated bets, though, also, because I know you think the Colts are in for a good season. Yeah. Right. And we've talked about this before. I think uh, we've had the conversation about like, oh, if the Philadelphia Eagles, if you like them, then what about Carson Wentz to win MVP? Right. Yeah. That sort of thing. So here's what I would ask you. You know, if the Colts do what it sounds like you're projecting them to do, 
um, then I think their coach might be in the running for coach of the year. And Frank Reich is the third choice for coach of the year at 14 to one, Kevin. Could I interest you in that? I, you know, I've said it before. I am high on Jonathan Taylor as the rookie of the year. Um, and he is, oh, he's gone down a little bit. He was 11 to one. He's now 10 to one. And then what about things like, you know, could Philip Rivers be an MVP candidate if they wind up having this kind of incredible season that, you know, you're talking about? Um, I'm, I'm going to bring up his as well. Um, what do you think about correlated bets, whether it be, you know, rookies, coaches, or something like Philip Rivers? Philip Rivers is 32 to 1 to win the MVP just behind Baker Mayfield, just above Jimmy G. Yeah, so I, I wonder sometimes if we talk enough about the fact that Josh Daniels quitting on the Colts was a blessing for them, and they got a much better head coach than yeah, Frank Reich. They did. They a better coach than I, Frank I mean, Reich. and I think that Frank Reich is justifiably a top three coach of the year candidate. If that team is right, as this good— plays out, like you say, right? And they're standing there in January at 12-4, and four, mm-hmm. you know, and they're the, they win this division, right? Mm-hmm. Think about this also. If Kansas City goes out and hides, we already know they have the talent. They're the champ. They're not going to attribute it to Andy Reid, right? Mm-hmm. If 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 the Ravens go out and dominate, it's the MVP, Lamar Jackson. And everyone knows Harbaugh is great, but I think he might have actually, like, won the award, uh, like, last year or a couple of years he ago. Did. So looking for someone new. Interesting if we talk about the last dance, right, how they look for someone new, like in Carl yeah. Malone, the MVP. But I digress, you know. And then think about these NFC teams. These NFC teams obviously have some coaches that, you know, could move the needle, whether it's Shanahan or Peyton or Carroll or whoever. But I think that's an interesting thing. If it plays out like it sounds like you think, and we'll go game by game in the next segment, mm-hmm. Frank White could be viable because he is this kind of respected coach that hasn't gotten his full credit. I can see sentimental value there, especially, you know, Philip Rivers' last ride, all that good stuff. And also, I think he'll get more credit than Philip Rivers, despite the fact that Philip mm-hmm. Rivers has a potential Hall of Fame career. I'm not interested in debating that right now. Um, But a potential Hall of Fame career. All that being said, Frank Reich will be the one getting more credit because of the year that Philip Rivers is coming off of. They're not going to say, oh, they brought in an MVP quarterback. They didn't. They just didn't. And if Philip Rivers goes out there and performs near that level, I don't expect him to perform well enough to jump the top contenders. I think Frank Reich will get a lot more of the credit. I would, I guess, in terms of Philip Rivers winning awards... Do you have to be injured to win comeback player of the year? I was just looking at that myself. (laughs) I literally am staring at the comeback player of the year. But unfortunately, Philip Rivers' name is nowhere to be found. I know what you're talking about in terms of having a bounce back. And technically, the answer is no. Okay, Kevin? The answer is no, you don't. Because I look at some of the names here, and they are guys that just had down seasons. Ironically, you know the cult who is on the board? And it's T.Y. Hilton. Um, as terms of comeback player of the year. And I think T.Y. Hilton is very, very interesting. We'll talk about him a little bit later. But this will wrap up our number one. I am so excited when we come back, Kevin, because, you know, you're talking a lot. You're bullish on the Colts. We will hold your feet to the fire. We're going to go game by game on the schedule. And we will first get your overall best bet for the Colts. Then we will test the theory going game by game. Look forward to that in hour number two here of the early line. We're giving you the edge on SportsGrid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 